Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Let me pray. Father, please bless my words to be true and useful and upbuilding to your beloved people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning's gospel is not just giving a pat blessing to family dysfunction. You can't think, yes, I am set against my mother-in-law and believe that thereby you are in the center of God's will. Jesus has principally in view the reality that many who would become Christians in the first generation of the kingdom of God would have to choose between following the risen Jesus and staying in their Jewish family of origin. If their parents had not become believers, they were expelled. As we see over and over again in the book of Acts, Paul being kicked out of synagogue after synagogue, family after family. It's a decision Christians are still forced to make, right, if they convert in predominantly Muslim or communist countries to choose between following Christ or being still connected to mother and father. It actually strikes me as a really tragic irony that in our own day and in our present time, the value of family has so deteriorated that we don't ordinarily stand in danger of the thing this verse is warning against, of loving father or mother more than Jesus. In fact, I actually think our culture has turned so upside down. In many cases, the application of this verse will actually be inverted. One of the ways we Christians can and should stand out against the decay of our times is by loving our aging parents as best we can and according to our capacity. By radical commitment to our parenting and our raising of our children with love and attention. Today, I think generally the general call in our setting is Christ calls us to love our families more for his sake, not less. And yet, never to love them more than we love Jesus himself. The only time I've actually witnessed this verse sort of pinching in our own day is um, if a child, an adult child, uh, rejects Christ, either the faith in Christ or the obedience to Christ. The temptation is to rewrite and rebuild your belief system to try and just keep the relationship affirming and strong. But that's the temptation to be resisted, but instead to participate, as I know some of you already participate, in the agony of Christ himself, longing that none should perish, while holding forth the truth. So I offer that in our culture, loving family too much isn't often the problem. I think the too much identity that the ancients found in their parents and in their offspring. That was how folks chiefly defined themselves. Who are your parents? Who are your kids? I think we've replaced those in our day with more abstract objects that kind of can fill a similar role. Instead of parents, we've sort of made a more abstract identification with ethnicity or nationality. And instead of offspring, we have uh, accomplishments, especially career accomplishments. I think these are the things that this scripture 
would challenge us to actively resist loving too much in our daily life. To not give even a drop of love that belongs to Christ to these things. So let me unpack them a little. We must be inwardly on guard to not love our ethnicity or nationality too much. Whether it's I'm white, I'm black, I'm English, I'm Southern, I'm American, whatever it is. To not, lo- not give any of the love that we owe to Jesus to that identity. All of these are subordinate to our more fundamental identity in Christ. And there's actually one peculiar variety of love of nation, which is we kind of, you know, get July 4th coming up, that strikes me. Um, that's subtle, and yet I think is Christians we are tempted to fall into, which is a sort of love of the mythic nation, which actually often presents itself by sort of um, deriding the current state of things. You know, to say like, well, you know, it's not like it used to be before the 90s or before the 60s or whenever, but some idea of like, you know, this great nation, if only we could get rid of this sort of tarnish, you know, there'd be this greatness. And this love of nation, not that a nation is bad, not that even loving a nation somewhat is bad, just like loving a father is not bad, but to not love them too much, to not love them in competing way with Christ. I'm, I uh, am edified by the anecdote that the rabbinic Jewish tradition refers to the Bible as a, a portable fatherland. And that idea of connecting to the invisible kingdom as our fatherland rather than the nation we live in as fatherland. And then so, so that's sort of what I think is kind of our replacement parents. For replacement offspring our achievements, one of the ways you could translate this kind of cryptic verse, right? He whoever, whoever finds his life will lose it. I've puzzled over that verse for a couple hours this week. Just saying, what, what does that verse mean? And um, digging into the original language, you could also perhaps uh, translate it more idiomatically as whoever carves out his own life for himself will lose it. And this is a really sharp word because it cuts against our native instinct as sort of entrepreneurial Americans. We build a world of job, travel, comforts, experiences, and the instinct is to sort of sit back and enjoy it. And the Lord says that way of living is a way in which you lose your life. Those things aren't bad, job, travel, comforts, experiences, just as a father or mother isn't bad, but they can tempt us towards loving them too much. So to kind of gather these things together um, in one picture, are you familiar with those um, posters and T-shirts that say God, Family, Country? Have you seen those like at like Hobby Lobby or Cracker Barrel? Um, in principle, that's fine. The text is fine, right? God is at the top of the list. God, Family, Country. We are called to love those things. And in that order, I do kind of wish there was like a big line like God and then like Family, Country. Um, but one of the things that has really caught my eye, and if you Google image search this, you'll see this too, is nine out of ten of the instances of this have that text, God, family, country, but against the backdrop of an American flag, which says even though countries at the bottom in the list, what's really being loved? And sort of what's the point of the whole thing? I wish it said God, family, country with a huge cross. Right? That would be a express a more Christian prioritization. 
not old glory, but the cross on which the King of glory died. Um, in this scripture, this message that I'm bringing, um, it's not because God is like being persnickety, like there's some sort of accounting of like, mm, are you loving things too much? He wants us actually just to have our love ordered to the love we've received. That our job never died that we would live forever. Our country never died that we would live forever. Our family never died that we would live forever. But Jesus did die that we would live forever. That's why we're to love him the most and jealously making sure that he alone receives that deepest devotion, that deepest loyalty. (laughs) the deepest commitment of love. Amen.